Hi, and welcome to episode three of the I Am The Night podcast from the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And again, as it's episode three, we'll be looking at the third episode of Batman the Animated Series, Nothing to Fear. Uh, I think the title speaks volumes. As with me, as always, is Adam, a fellow writer on DC Comics News and Dark Knight News. Hello, mate. Hello again. Pleasure to be back. Pleasure to be talking about a classic villain finally made real in this great episode. And, um, yeah, villain made real. I I think this might actually be the first um, TV appearance of Scarecrow, unless he did appear on any of the... 70s super friends and stuff but i don't believe he did but obviously listeners if you know different let us know but it was definitely the first time i ever saw scarecrow on tv and uh it was a good debut what did you make of jonathan crane animated he encapsulated the obsession with fear that i think is central to the character and one of the few things that is always dead consistent whether he's been more psychological in some of the live action adaptations to some of the more garish and horrific versions like himself in some of the games he's driven he's determined to bring down the people that have slighted him as an academic he's dangerous here and it's a nice version to see of him it's a classic scarecrow isn't it very much so the uh, the whole look was really made solid I think the Tone has been sort of set with the expectation of the bright red t-shirt and the witchy sort of hat always carried on from some of his classic viewings and his classic look into this into this episode. He was done very well here. Uh, and what do you think about writers Henry T. Gilroy and Sean Catherine Derrick, or possibly actually the casting uh, by Andrew Romano of making this vintage villain a Brit? Should, should, should we take offence at that, or is that just a classic villain trope? I think there's a certain air of sophistication and respect when you uh, force a British villain, uh, especially considering this one's a doctor, he's a learned scholar, he's a scientist. There's a certain gravitas to knowing the, the detail of the science and the psychology of fear and what makes people squirm in the night. It's done well and... No one does megalomania quite like a British villain, so I think it was well chosen. <laughs> so you're actually taking it as a compliment, then? I personally would, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I think also it harks back to the whole Jonathan Crane, Ichabod Crane, and um, Sleepy Hollow, and Fear, and Pumpkins, and Halloween. And I think it's, it's, it's a nice touch to, to have him as such, but... What I really loved about this episode was the way that we talked about it last week, um, how the tone shifted dramatically between On Leather Wings and Christmas with the Joker. And this week it's literally right back to that classic, dark, gothic feel. Director Boyd Kirkland is back and he's brought that feel back. How did you feel about it? We have returned to form. It was was a nice calming and relaxing little jaunt to spend a nice Christmas special with the Joker seeing almost swashbuckling heroics but now we see our hero battling himself more than the villain we see him handling uh, a scientist rebelling against an institution we see him in a real dire straits and I don't think this show is ever really known for having a light tone mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Coming back to itself was very welcome here and very needed here. 
I think the psychology of the episode was really, really deep because rather than have Batman be scared of that old staple of him being afraid of bats, which is why he uses their image, the the fear of failure, and it goes right back to the beginning of the episode. It's really clever writing where Summer Gleason, she's back. Um, it's probably that's why they, they stuck the Joker episode before Hanks. It was a nicer introduction to her rather than throwing listeners and viewers into the cold with this episode but she's back she's interviewing the professor at the university and he chides poor old bruce on how he's just a playboy and a scoundrel and how his dad would be ashamed of him and then the jokers the joker the scarecrow's fear gas brings it all out nice touch it's go it was going to be playing on his mind so much so the first negative stimulus like the scare gas would put that back on his mind he reacted perfectly normally. I think it's a much more real fear. Yeah. Plus, I don't think they wanted to double down on the whole fear of bats thing because, uh, as we'll unfortunately go on to with their discussion about the episodes, we do see a true fear of bats emerge right at the end of the story. We really get that he is an imposing figure in his costume yes. as Batman. He strikes fear into the hearts of criminals but he's not without fear himself and that makes him a much more real hero and really rewarded because in, in this episode as he's uh, coming to grips with the effects of the toxin he was under you see him haggard you see mm. him beaten and weary but still doing what he can that's true heroism I think yeah struggling and that that's I've said it a thousand times what I love about Batman he's not infallible he's not perfect and the fact that he has these struggles and these fears just like we do just makes him all the more believable and all the more sympathetic as a character and this episode proves that brilliantly and like you said it, it's it's vintage Scarecrow but like you said, it's, it's vintage Batman vintage psychology vintage fear and we get that classic line the one that's named this episode from that yes we have there's truly nothing to fear he was able to find his his centre of himself to eventually check himself out of it towards the end towards the dramatic climax yeah. everyone knows this show for that yeah. I, I'd say it's um, like even Kevin Conroy himself traces himself back to this line of dialogue I am vengeance I am the knights there is nothing to fear I am Batman yeah, yeah. he Brings that as a point of like personal strength, yeah, and it's exactly what he needed to tell himself. There's he owned his identity, even though it's not what he thinks his father would expect of him. It's like his mantra, isn't it? His, his way out, his ladder to climb out of that pit of fear. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. And the other thing that we draw back to, like we had with the first episode, with. Uh, Honor the Wings is seeing Batman as a detective. That's another aspect of this episode that I absolutely loved. What did you make of it? The it was interesting the way that they deliberately framed that one little piece of evidence that he got that the investigation across the entire episode. Yeah. Sure, that was able for him to find the culprit, Jonathan Crane, and um, apprehend him fairly simply. But it was drawn out. It took the back computer a 
great deal of time for it to find any sort of origin or what have you. There was enough time in that little moment of calculation for the back computer for Batman to doubt himself, which is what gave the episode its like actual body. Yeah. And when it came through, it the results found were when he was when he was okay within within himself and had overcome the fear that was inside. So he owned the fear that was inside of him within being able to solve the puzzle. He was able to rationalise his fear and go forward, which is, I think, almost a moral of the story. That mm. Some, like, they seem big and scary, but fears can be managed and controlled as long as you take a moment, breathe, bring yourself into what matters and work through it. And straight to, stay true to yourself. Very much so. Stay true to yourself. Um, what I also loved, um, I said Boyd Kirkland is, is one of the best Batman the Animated Series director. And it's little touches that he threw in like, did you notice when Scarecrow first arrived at the university with his two goons that the security guard reaches across the table but doesn't find the alarm button. He actually searches for it. And it's little touches of realism like that that you don't get in animated shows, in cartoons. And that was just a lovely little touch. Did you, did you spot especially, that? Like? Especially for um, hand-drawn animation, yeah. I think. That's extra effort. That's extra effort. That's maybe four days at least more rendering. <laughs> but it adds the weight and realism that you'd need in like a tense, like stand out, stake out situation. Some dudes just burst in through your skylight. You've, you're trying to assess the situation. You're not looking where you're pressing the button. And I do feel for that uh, security guard there. He was just minding his own business, reading his tiny tunes. Tiny Toons Adventure. That was another touch. Oh, I'm really glad you spotted that as well because back in those days, back in the early mid '90s, the big Warner shows, obviously Batman the Animated Series, duh, uh, Animaniacs, and and Tiny Toons, and to have that little nod to one of its fellow shows that were airing on Saturday mornings for the kids to devour, I thought that was a brilliant, brilliant little touch too. I loved it. So, um. Favourite moments, favourite scenes from this episode? I want to actually ask you a question. I, yeah, I, go I, for I, it. I enjoyed like the episode as a whole. As a whole. Uh, Scarecrow was always one of my personal favourite villains. There was something we were talking about just between when the episode ended. I feel like I'm sidetracking along the favourite moments yeah. part, but that's fine. Yeah. In the moment where the doubt was put into Bruce Wayne's mind, uh, and the, the professor of the university said all of those rather hurtful but honestly true to an extent mm -hmm. statements you uh, you like to mumble when stuff's on TV I do and, and no 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 it's, it's fine <laughs> this is it's just you trying to make your own one man DVD commentary it's fine <laughs> you said oh it really must hurt but then I sort of thought maybe sure it does but what if there was a side to Bruce Wayne that in is validated by the fact that his mask, his yeah. Bruce Wayne persona works so yes. well. Oh, I'm doing well. Everyone does think I'm this, this like hothead uh, Playboy billionaire jet setter that like, they don't really understand, which is always, always his truest version of himself because as soon as the helicopter passed by the skyline, he was on it. He went down a side road, changed into his uh, gear, and the next shot we see of him is him swinging over the rooftop. So 
Can your feelings be hurt if they're not really tr- sincere? Is what I'm sort of asking. It's amazing because you said you were going off topic. You really weren't because that was actually one of my favourite scenes in the episode. You've actually hit my favourite scene for a couple of reasons. The again the nuanced acting from the character and that's down to the the genius of the animators because you do see it a point where he does sort of like would dad be disappointed and you feel that but then he thinks you see a slight tinge of a smile i think i mean that, that's what i got that yep it's working people will never tie me to batman because this fop fake personality i've created as bruce wayne is doing the job it's supposed to do and all of that was in a couple of movements of, a, of an animated mouth and some eyebrows and some eyes. And I got all of that. Yeah. So I'm really glad you brought that up. because Yeah, I do think that because Batman, another reason I love him is he's different to every other costumed hero because Peter Parker is Peter Parker. When he puts on the mask, he's Spider-Man. To me, I've always felt that Bruce Wayne is the mask. He's himself when he's Batman. And little things like that. Brilliant. I'm so glad you picked up on that. That wasn't off topic. That was my favourite part of the episode for that specific specific reason. Brilliant. Thanks, mate. This like this, uh, this season does really show the Bruce Wayne, Batman, blurred-ish mm-hmm. dialectic really well because... Whenever he's alone or with Alfred, he's in the grovelly Batman voice. Mm. He's only puts on Bruce Wayne when he's in the same brown suit he wears whenever he's Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Love that suit. Yeah, it's classic. You can't take him out of it. Literally, <laughs> it's but it's fine. It's an it's an animator's choice, and it and I get why an animator would choose to style him like that. And it's a nice distinctive thing for like a younger audience to be like, oh, that's Batman when he's not being Batman, but. So you don't think he's like Einstein then? He's just got like 25 brown I mean, I mean, suits he, he picks out of the wardrobe so he doesn't have to pick I mean, he might. He has, the, <laughs> he has the dis- disguise training to know what to wear so that he doesn't look like the 6'2 jacked yeah. mountain of muscle that Batman yeah. is. That yeah. Batman wouldn't logically have to be. Mm-hmm. It's, a ch- it's the choice of the voice direction in Kenlyn Conroy's masterful performance. Oh, that he's that he's always in the deep, grovelly Batman voice whenever he's himself. That's why, when we discussed episode one, when he was on the phone to those to the scientists... It was so different. It was so strange to see the chirpy voice yeah. coming out of Batman. Yeah. So there is... This is probably the best example in like most media where that strain between who Batman is and who Bruce Wayne is is not there. They are... One yep. sort of entity, and he is proud of himself for being able to keep up that pretense, mm-hmm. to keep up that face. So it did, it did work. It really did, and um, I would like to see other media do it more. as well. Yeah, or, or or as well, because honestly, even nearly thirty years later, what's a better depiction of both Bruce Wayne and Batman and, and his whole supporting cast than Batman the Animated Series? Has anything matched it? I honestly don't think so. No. Maybe the comics that, that go with it, the Batman Adventures, they're, they're fantastic too, but yeah, that, that's a tale for another podcast possibly. So, 
in terms of villains so far, um, we've had three episodes and two of the all-time greats, and obviously one of the lesser-known ones in, in, in The Man Bat. Um, wise choices, you think, to open up a brand new show? I would say so. It's They've chosen ones that are particularly heavy. There's mad science and mutation in Man Bat that is foaming at the mouth crazy in the Joker, and there's calculating, but equally lots of mad science mm. in the Scarecrow, which is, I think, important for certain Batman villains until you start to get into the more super-powered mm. characters. A lot of them have to fight on the same axis that Batman does with their own mind and their own resources. So with the Scarecrow, like one of my own personal favourites, he has the same drive and vision and direction that Batman does. He has a goal, he has a mission, and he puts on regalia to do it. Mm -hmm. which both is, masters of fear. Both masters of fear, both using the face they've created to instill fear. And it's really interesting because I like that this show is showing Batman has established the police know he's out there the police yeah. know that he's trustworthy question mark but not but still someone they should be watching but Batman himself I feel like this is probably Batman that's come just out of like year one or year two mm -hmm. who's still dealing with your Falcones and your mob bosses and your street level dudes these are the first uh, emergence of supervillains. Yeah. Except for the Joker, who he has, who he knew probably from. The it beginning. seems like they've been fighting forever. Just just three episodes in, it feels like they've been fighting forever. I always liked the idea that one of the first uh, touches with supervillains that Batman ever got. This would always be something that I would write personally. Mm. One of the first visions he ever touched was failing to save a man in a red hood in Ace Chemicals. Mm -hmm. So yes. the Joker was always there, but he. He is the whole origins of why Langstrom mutates himself in this way. He, f he figures out why Crane was trying to like take away resources and funding and soil reputation in the university. These are new people to him. Mm -hmm. So he's allowed to... Oh, so this is what you are, this is what you do. Okay, now I know that I have to stop you. With decades of comics these characters are well established by now so it's really really nice and not something you get to see a lot unless they do a complete timeline reset it's not a lot you get to see uh, Hero's introduction to villains that we all know and love their clashes for it's new ground for them and we watch it with them and it's a whole new perspective it's what has drawn these early episodes in so well I yep, think. totally agree it's clever that they have the established character of the Joker early on to reassure the long-standing fans. But for the new viewers to throw in Man Bat as episode one and Scarecrow as episode three, characters they may never have seen before, characters that are only familiar to you and I and, and the comics fans, was really, really clever. Now, let's go back to something you said earlier, which I thought was really lovely touch. And the fact that Batman's fear was a fear of failure and a fear of letting down his parents rather than the, the bat fear but obviously you said that the bat fear does come into play and boy does it come into play but not with Batman himself what did you make of the demise of the scarecrow it's only fitting that he fell to his own science yep uh, 
he talked about it in his flashback of enjoying tormenting and making people scared for when he was a little kid, when he was getting his degree, when he was getting his doctorate. It was, I think, the only real way to deal with it, and that's something I've certainly seen the Christopher Nolan movies borrow. And when it gets, gets to the vision of the bat and the vision of the bat-like monstrosity, yeah. that is terrifying. Than a Batman, isn't it? Exactly, and that will inspire fear in most people. That's why Batman does what he does, but seeing it in that way would really set back someone who's made fear their their goal and their, mm-hmm. and their weapon. So for Crane to just fall to that is quite crippling for him. So he'll be shouting down Arkham for a while, but you can't keep the good ones down. Yeah. The master of fear taken down by his own weapon. So, final takeaways then from the third fantastic episode of Batman the Animated Series, Nothing to Fear. Parting thoughts. I think it had wonderful moments throughout of just showing how well Gotham was built around their clash to we immediately felt that there was something really wrong going on with the university that the Scarecrow was attacking and you start to care and building up from the hostage situation we had seen the policeman and um, the tension between Bullock and Gordon Mm, is still there and not likely to change very soon we see the world as full and rewarding and enriched and lived in. The episode was very strong. It was a strong clash between the villains imposing of their will, but not the villain being villainous. Yeah. Yes, the absolutely. Real, the real struggle was Batman dealing with his own fears that he took ownership of as a way of defeating not not actually ever like whipping up some sort of antidote no he just talked him his way out of it which is stronger yeah absolutely self-belief yeah Uh, my takeaway was on the whole how incredibly well written and directed this show is because we get the whole dichotomy of the Bruce Batman two masters of fear clashing but then we also get little subtle touches like the feelings he feels when the professor of the university takes him down a peg or two but that also while making bruce weak gives you sympathy towards scarecrow because you see well yeah this guy is actually a bit of a an arson and, and and maybe scarecrow's got a reason to, to have this gripe so on the whole, it's just a really well-crafted, well-written, well-directed... I keep saying acted because this it feels much more... It feels so much more than animation. These characters and their expressions and the way they move and the way they speak and the looks that they give to the camera and to themselves is just next level. You say, that's got to give the animators so much more work, but it really, really paid off. Uh, great episode. One of One of the best from the opening seasons I think so that's about it I think do you have any last I'm just thoughts I'm just grateful that the again one of my favourites was done so well he was a threat but I like when 
of the villain isn't the big deal the real struggle is yeah. handled properly it was really it was really rewarding and I'm glad that they introduced him so soon another thing about it I didn't quite remember when everyone showed up so many early things coming thick and fast well that's it then so that was uh, episode 3 of the I Am The Night podcast with me was Adam Ray where can the uh, listeners and readers of Dark Knight News and DC Comics News see more of your work my friend well as the aforementioned uh, Dark Knight News and DC Comics News I review several titles uh, on both sites I also write for our little joint venture fantasticuniverses.com mostly about my one true love tabletop games in the form of various dice and cards and role playing games you can also find me on Twitch most Tuesdays at No Ordinary Heroes and you can find me on Twitter at IsItTinkerer Brilliant And yourself sir? Yeah with me the easiest way to find all my work across all three websites and more is just to do a simple search in your search engine of choice, be it Google or Bing, just type the words Steve J. Ray, and there you'll see my chubby little face smiling back at you, linking you to everywhere. Again, you can also find me on Twitter at LSteveO, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. The I Am The Night podcast can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. DC Comics News and Dark Knight News can be found across every social media platform from Facebook to Twitter to Tumblr and even on YouTube. So, nothing to do but sign off. He was Adam Ray. Here's the night. We are the night. This has been the I Am The Night podcast. And what should people out there be doing more of what do they need to do son they need to read more comics couldn't have said it better myself see you next week thank you for listening bye